With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey Cobbers, from the land down under, this is the Cricket Badger Big Bash Daily Podcast. Whether you're with the Strikers, the Stars or the Sixers, you might be a renegade, enjoy the heat, love the thunder, like a scorcher or prefer hurricanes. Brought to you in association with bluecrocodile.co.uk. Tie your kangaroo down, put another shrimp on the barbie and enjoy the fun. It's gonna be a ripper. Big Bash 10. Hello everybody, welcome along. It's another edition of the Cricket Badger Big Bash Daily. I'm James Butler, the Cricket Badger, or a Cricket Nuffy, however you want to interpret that, wherever you're listening around the world. And today we are talking about the Hobart Hurricanes against the Adelaide Strikers. Live on my screen at the moment, looks like Adelaide Strikers are charging to victory, 117 for three, as we stand chasing 147 to win. Thank you to bluecrocodile.co.uk for their support of these Big Bash Dailies. Have a look at their website, bluecrocodile.co.uk. .co.uk. Joining me on today's show, we have uh, a man in Sweden and a man... Uh, where are, actually are you, Michael Baldwin, at the moment? Uh, it's uh, just gone past midnight here in Auckland, New Zealand. Right. So you are literally the other side of the world, aren't we? With Abai with us as well. Abai is uh, in Sweden. How are you, Abai? Very good. Excited for this podcast. And uh, 30 of 37 balls required. Um, three wickets down. Looks like the strikers are going to be doing okay in this one. A few things. Um, one Whilst we're waiting for the uh, match that's on my screen to, to finish, we've seen the first X-Factor sub used today. In fact, we've seen two as the uh, Adelaide Strikers and uh, Hobart Hurricanes have both utilised their X-Factors today. We saw right in for both uh, and uh, short coming in for Briggs. I felt for Danny Briggs, it has to be said. He bowled one over, went for 15. And in usual T20 terms, Michael, he'd have had the chance to come back on, bowl potentially three more overs, sort his figures out, take a couple of wickets and be happy with life. And he got hooked the psychology of that is quite hard-hitting, isn't it? He he comes off, has to kind of mull it over in the dugout, never gets a chance to put it right. Yeah, it's a tough old world, T20 cricket, when you're a spin bowler. Both Danny Briggs and Johan Bartha got the hook tonight, and I think it was a, a case of both teams having assessed the conditions, seen a bit of swing and a bit of bounce in the wicket, and deciding that the little tweakers aren't going to get the job done tonight. 
I think that's borne out by a, a couple of good spells of fast bowling from the Adelaide Strikers bowlers. Dan Worrell bowled all four up front and uh, my man Peter Siddle got another Michelle to go with uh, an impressive career and, uh, and now looking the Silver Fox as well. Oh, what's he doing? What is he doing with his hair? Um, the blonde, he's trying to do Brad Pitt, but Brad Pitt's sort of 30 years too late, isn't he, at the moment? I think Peter Siddle. I, there's a the few things I buy that, I mean, we talked about the rule changes a lot on this podcast, but this super sub is one too many for me. There's, I've got a few opinions tonight, so bear with me, listeners. But the super sub, I always think that part of cricket is you assess the pitch, you look at your opposition, you pick your team accordingly, and you go with it. And if you get it wrong, that's part of the game. But these super subs where you realise it's not going to spin a little bit, you bring in a substitution, takes away from that a little bit. And I, I think the rules that they change have to add something to the spectator and it has to kind of make the game more entertaining. I don't think the substitutes do, Abai. James, I'll still uh, be a little optimistic about this one. I know that this uh, this substitute kind of thing was tried few years back in international cricket as well, and then they did not continue with it. In all probability, you're right, but let's see. Today, it did not really come off for the teams. They assessed the conditions and then made some changes, but it did not have a big impact on the game for both the sides. Uh, the regular players have done most of the thing. I would say that in some matches, this will play a crucial part. So let's let's hope and see which are those teams which you know take advantage of this uh, this rule. Michael, you were telling me before we pressed record today that you like to bat number eight in your team, get a few red inkers, boost the average come the end of the season. You're obviously a very strategic man in that respect. But sure, surely part of part of the game, whatever format we're talking about, picking your eleven is part of the process, isn't it? And working out your batting order and getting your, your tactics right ahead of the game is is a dimension of cricket, which potentially the substitutes dilute a little bit. Oh, look, I can't disagree with you there. I think that the beauty of the cricket is that it's always been an 11-man game. We've tried the super sub before, I think, in a in a couple of tournaments playing 12-man cricket, and it didn't really work then. It remains to be seen whether or not this will result in some teams responding to this use of, of the X factor and, and look at playing maybe an extra bowler, giving their bowlers an overreach and, and taking one out of the out of the game and picking an extra batsman for the second inning. So maybe there's something in it for that side bowling first to have a look at all their bowlers and, and see what they're able to bring to the contest, which is, I think, what Adelaide have done reasonably well in this contest is they've had a look at all of the guys who've, who've had an over for them. Dan Worrell obviously bowled his first four straight, which was an interesting tactical move as well. And then they've decided that your man Briggs was, was not the one to, to carry it forward for them tonight. And given that Matt Renshaw got a bit of tap as well, I think going back to the seamers was the right move. And they've able to bring in an extra batsman in Matthew Short, who took a couple of catches as well, I believe. So all in all, I think it's worked for the Adelaide Strikers. But I take your point that from a traditionalist point of view, cricket being an 11-man game, I think it'll uh, not impress a lot of other cricket fans who are died in the wall traditional supporters. There's a danger, isn't there, that when you when you start to be critical of new rule changes, that you are cast as that as being kind of set in your ways and what have you. I'm actually all for change. I don't mind changes at all, but I think. One of the things with any changes in T20 is that you've got to be honest about what you see. And if you don't like it, say it. And if it doesn't work, take it out and try something different. And I think at the moment, with the, with the three changes they, they've brought in, I like the boost point at halfway. Um, the power surge, I think, jury very much still out. I don't haven't quite seen that working yet. And I don't think the teams have got their heads around it. For the substitutes thing, I'm not that keen. 
There was confusion earlier on in this game today. The strikers thought that Hobart had taken the power surge at one stage. They set the field accordingly. They brought everybody inside the circle, just the two men out, all the rest of it. Siddle then bowled right. They got the wicket from that ball. And then the umpires told the fielding side that the batting side hadn't actually taken the power surge. And they all then spread around as they would have done outside the power play overs. And I think the one thing that that illustrated was that the players haven't quite got their heads around this. But I think the important thing I buy with all of these changes is the communication of them and if you're watching on telly whether you're in the ground or with if you're a player you need to know what's going on don't you and if if these rules are going to be brought in they need to have some kind of siren going off or fireworks somewhere or something to signpost that the power surge is being taken or that these substitutes are being made because after 10 overs i think it took a took quite a long time for that news to kind of get out that those substitutes had been made. So the communication's key, Abai, isn't it? Absolutely. Sure thing. Communication has to be apt and it has to be, um, first of all, the administrators need to be very well educated themselves and then they have to also make sure the captains and the umpires, you know, they understand uh, these rules fully. I believe since the changes are happening, you know, first first time in these matches. Probably we will see a little bit of miscommunication as well, like it normally happens as well. It happened in the T20 series between India and Australia as well. I think we will see minor hiccups. Teams will learn and they will grow and the good points will be taken forward, I, I hope. One very good point which I could uh, just take out from your conversation was that the teams will learn. This super sub thing will help teams to un- analyze their options pretty well. So, no matter whether this rule goes forward or not, teams will definitely, uh, you know, uh, assess their combinations better with this rule. Mortgages are simpler than you think when you have a crocodile on your side. Blue Crocodile, making mortgages snappy and simple. Visit bluecrocodile.co.uk, follow them on Twitter at Blue Croc Money, or find them on Facebook. Blue Crocodile. Shane Warne tweeted earlier on, In T20 cricket, I'm disappointed that the majority of bowlers accept the fact they will get whacked and smashed all over the park. They're not improving or executing skills at the same rate as the batsmen are. I understand anyone can have an off day, but it's not good enough. Double exclamation mark, he said. I take issue with that, Michael. Shane Warne, fantastic player, but I think sometimes he's got into the habit of saying things for the sake of it to try and get attention. And I don't... Show me a bowler in World T20 cricket that accepts being smashed and whacked around the park. They all run in. It's a thankless task. Every single rule change that the the authorities make help the batsmen rather than the bowlers. Who would be a bowler in T20 cricket now? You need a kind of strange kind of mentality. And I don't accept the fact that Shane Warne is saying that bowlers are just accepting they're going to get hit. They're coming in trying to be economical. They're coming in trying to take wickets. The way cricket is these days, that's not always going to work, is it? Well, I think, James, there's a subtlety to that point in that I think it's accepted for a lot of uh, a lot of bowlers in T20 cricket, cricket that if you bowl enough balls, the batsman is going to get you at some point. So the, the tactical decision is not, am I going to get hit or not, or trying not to get hit at all, but I need to bowl the ball in the right areas so that if I do get hit, the ball's getting hit to a part of the ground where I'm comfortable to get hit in that area. So, you know, we watch a lot of cricket here at Eden Park in New Zealand, and Eden Park is very short straight of the wicket, but very, you know, a little bit longer square. So a lot of bowlers have to change their plans and make sure that they're being hit to parts of the ground or bowling to batsmen who can hit to parts of the ground that they're comfortable with and they can protect or, or they have catching men in those kinds of areas. So not to say that Shane Warne is right in a sense because, like you say, no one wants to get no one wants to get pumped and everyone's trying to do the best job that they can. But I think bowlers have to be conscious of where 
they're trying to get the batsmen to hit the ball and, and make sure that they've got their fielders and their plans set accordingly. Another six there for Jake Weatherall. The strike is getting very much closer to the uh, victory target. 131 for three at the moment. Nathan Ellis uh, coming into the attack. He's got a very strange kind of top of his run. He kind of prances for about four or five steps and then gets into his stride and then, and then bowls very nicely. Adelaide Strikers. Only 15 runs away from taking their first win of this Big Bash 10 season. Abai, Shane Warne's comments there. I, I just think that's dismissive of bowlers, don't you? I mean, it's, 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 it strikes me as being a bowler from the past who's got a very good record, who then just kind of dismisses the current guys as not been quite as good as, as his era was. Yes, I completely agree with what uh, you guys have just uh, discussed. Uh, another point of view is Shane Warne being a legend himself, such a huge superstar. He sets a high benchmark for everybody, uh, including himself. The way he adapted to T20 cricket was quite amazing uh, because he he could really adjust spin bowling in T20 cricket. Even though he's he's uh, he's uh, bowled all his life in Test matches and ODI cricket, and that's why he has a high benchmark for the bowlers. At the same time, uh, he should also advocate for the right uh, you know rules so that the bowlers can have uh, a good arena to bowl at. Uh, a, a good conditions to bowl at and that's quite in favor of batsmen these days i understand uh, where this is coming from i think he's uh, he's a guy who keeps very high benchmarks and this is why i feel he's he's really urging the bowlers to to improve and also he, uh, another aspect could be that he's trying to uh, tell the bowlers not to be victims you know to the rules but mm. really work so hard so that they can still uh, compete in T20 cricket. Good points, Abai. Good points. And uh, one of my, fa- I mean, Shane Warne is a favourite of mine. When he was playing, I mean, there's no better spinner that's ever played the game. I just think sometimes he talks rubbish on Twitter. Um, the um, Hobart Hurricanes made 146 today in their 20 overs. We saw early wickets, Darcy Short and uh, Will Jacks falling early, but then Ben McDermott, who's in good form, good runs for Australia A, he got 46. So did Colin Ingram, 46 from him as well and 24 from Tim David in the bowling lineup. Wes Agar took two for 28 but the best of the bowlers that man Peter Siddle five for 16 with his golden locks ran in and rolled back the years in his three and a half overs and really did the damage for the Adelaide Strikers in the field. And then Adelaide Strikers on the screen at the moment, they're just 13 runs shy of victory 20 balls so it should be an absolute canter for them from here. And we saw Phil Salt fall early for six but then Jake Weatherall he's still there 60 not out and Alex Carey, captain of the Strikers today, he scored 55. Jonathan Wells at the crease at the moment with Jake Weatherold seeing the Adelaide Strikers home. We had a little chat praying to pressing record, Michael, about who would be the blue crocodile cricketer of the match today. And you said at the time when Carey was still batting with Jake Weatherold that it was a toss-up between the two. Um, Carey's wicket falling, Weatherold still being there. Does that maybe influence you towards the opener? I dearly love it. Love to give it to Peter Siddle in a losing cause. He's a, a, a personal favourite of mine, but I think you're right. I think Jake Weatherall, if he sees Adelaide home here and you think with 12 runs needed off 19 balls that he'd, he'd be able to do that, I think he'd have to be the blue crocodile player of the match uh, for the Adelaide side. He's just hit another six there. Hit it off his uh, legs over the square leg boundary. Adelaide Strike is getting that much closer. <laughs> bluecrocodile.co.uk Sort your mortgage in a snap. Are you a first-time buyer with your eyes on that dream house? Are you wanting to move or looking for a better mortgage deal? Let Blue Crocodile find the right mortgage for you. 10% deposit mortgages are returning. 
If you need to know how much you can afford to borrow, just visit bluecrocodile.co.uk. We'll defer our adjudication for the Blue Crocodile Cricketer of the Match until the winning runs have been scored today. But just looking at this game, Adelaide Strikers, um, it's a strange one, isn't it? They've played two games. They've both been against Hobart Hurricanes, um, Abai. The fixtures are COVID-driven, aren't they? Not everybody's playing home and away, as we would know the big bash. We've got these little hubs going on. But it's a very strange one that the uh, first two games for Adelaide Strikers um, are against the same side. They lost the first one. Looks like they're going to win the second one. It's important for them to bounce back and get into that winning mentality. Right, absolutely. This uh, this big bash is, is under this uh, these constant changes because of COVID and uh, these different bubbles which are uh, in different parts of Australia and uh, and also the player unavailability. Availability and unavailability because uh, some are going to be available at some point, point of time and some are not available right now due to COVID. This tournament is all going to be about how teams adjust with players incoming and outgoing. And uh, today's match, I believe uh, it's a close call uh, between Carey and Jake Weatherold. They really like playing against Hobart. This is their third uh, 100-run partnership in Big Bash. And all three have come against Hobart. I just read this on social media somewhere. Oh, no, take it, take uh, it as your uh, own. Abai, if you get a stat like that, take it as your own. Don't admit you stole it from somebody else. <laughs> okay, sure. Next time. <laughs> <laughs> But I'd still go for uh, Peter Siddle, five wickets in T20 cricket on a day when we talk about bowlers not uh, not being up to the mark. I'll really go for Peter Siddle. Convince me now, Abe. That's perfect. I've, <laughs> I've been swayed now to, towards the Siddle. Yeah, he, he bowled uh, absolutely uh, fantastically. They are within uh, five runs now of winning this game, Adelaide Strikers. One of the fancied sides, Michael, at the start of this. I mean, Abai talking there about the bubbles and the way that the COVID has interrupted or affected this big bash. It's one of the reasons that we've got three overseas players in it this time, isn't it? Because of player availability and and changing things around a little bit. But also to maybe add a little bit more stardust because depleted ranks and obviously India playing Australia and a lot of the big names are elsewhere. So getting getting three overseas players into the competition just gives you a few more big names to kind of hang your hat on. Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head there. Also, you've got to remember that Cricket Australia are in a bit of a legal spat with the major TV broadcaster in Australia as well over the value of that cricket contract, that broadcast rights contract. Um, It's a multi-year contract in the vicinity of $450 million. And Channel 7, as they are, are disputing the value of that contract based on, among other things, the television value of the Big Bash. So Cricket Australia are doing absolutely everything in their power to maximise the value of the game. And as you say, sprinkling a little bit more stardust, particularly a lot of English players having come over to play in the Big Bash this year has added a little bit more international flavour to our um, to our Christmas tournament. Yeah, and the English players haven't totally lit the tournament up yet. We're still waiting for uh, some really big performances. James Vince in his first innings batted really nicely. Some of the English aren't quite getting into the tournament quite as quickly as they, they would have wanted to. Cricket's a game played with balls. You've got to look after them in the field. Badges are furry creatures. My friends at Manscaped.com help you make sure it's neat and tidy down there. Oh, get rid of all that excess fur. Make sure that you're neat and tidy. Make sure everything's in the right order. Oh, feeling all good now down in this set. Oh, Manscaped.com. Maximum skin-safe performance, compact design, advanced engineering, ceramic blade, waterproof, and it doesn't end there. 
Show you care by caring for your pair. Cleansers, revivers, preservers. Simply go to manscaped.com. Quote the discount code BADGER. You get 20% off, you get free shipping, and you get some seriously quality equipment. Manscaped.com. Get on there now. Two off 13 balls. Let's have a look at the final knockings of this big bat match there. And Adelaide Strikers on the verge of sealing um, all four points today because they were ahead at halfway as they uh, come in bowling bowls. And it's, uh, oh, it's hit them on the pads. Actually, we're going to get a late wicket. No, going to get another delivery. Two runs required now off 13, of 12 balls rather. One of the features of this big bash has been wickets falling early. Quite a few um, wickets in the first over of matches, but a lot, a lot of wickets have fallen in the first four as teams are trying to work out how to use the, the power play overs. Yeah, I actually have done a couple of stats. It came up on the Crick Info feed as I was watching the commentary and I went and had a look at the first eight games of this Big Bash Edition 10 have seen 24 wickets fall in the power play. So inside that first four-over bracket, we've seen, on average, three wickets per game. And it's getting it's getting more and more prevalent. Mm. So the last three games, there have been 4-4. Four, four, and then today's game, five wickets fall inside that power play. And most of them are happening inside the first couple of overs. While Shane Warne has been on about bowlers not executing their plans adequately. Uh, I think that the evidence suggests that inside the first couple of overs, the bowlers are having a distinct advantage over the batting team. And I think as a result, overs five through to sort of 11, are a rebuilding phase for a lot of the teams so far in the tournament. We've uh, had another wicket. Two runs still required by the Adelaide Strikers as well as gets caught at mid on. He goes for eight. So we're going to have to wait a little bit longer for the uh, the final runs being hit here. But uh, Abai, the, one of the things with this power surge, the first four overs being the power play and then you can delay your, your last two overs of the power play till later on in the innings. I don't think the teams have quite got their heads around this yet. They're not using those first four overs very well. They're losing, four, losing wickets in those first four. And I think we saw today even that when Colin Ingram was batting, he was going along great guns and they were on the verge of using the power surge and then Ingram gets out and they've lost momentum going into their later two overs of the, the power plays. It's Teams are yet to really maximise the opportunities with that, are they? It's taking a little longer for teams to adjust to this rule. Uh, sounds exciting, again, for the fans as well that, okay, they'll see the two extra overs of power planes at some point of time in the evening. Teams also think that when they have set batters, they can use the power surge it can also go opposite because you have set batters and then yeah. when there are different rules, uh, you could actually lose momentum as well. It's it's a two-edged sword, I would say. I'm sure it's going to come off good someday, but not yet. One run required then as Ace comes in and it's off the bat. It goes to mid on and he's gone again. So they've lost another wicket in this, uh, well, very faltering charge towards a comfortable victory. Wickets falling galore here. One run now required off 10 balls with another new batsman coming to the crease. Michael, one of the things with this power surge I was thinking the other day was that, fair enough, you can split it up and you can take power, you can put power plays in elsewhere. But if you're going to try and make it so that the game has more impetus all the way through, why not keep the first six overs and then give the two extra power play overs later on? And then maybe give the bowling side a bit of a trick at some stage so they, they can do something themselves as well. At the moment, we're kind of splitting up that six overs and it's not quite working, is it? No, I don't think so. And I think tactically we saw Hobart Hurricanes miss a trick today in that, as you said, 
they had an opportunity to take the power play while they had some momentum in their batting innings. They chose not to do so. And by the time they did have an opportunity to take advantage of it, they were six or seven down. They didn't really have any momentum in their batting innings. They didn't have the right guys at the crease to take advantage of an opportunity to go over the top with the field set up. So I think teams will take a look at that and maybe adjust the timing of when they take the power play. If you think back to the optional power play in one-day cricket, you could use it any time, I think, after the 10th to Mm. the 40th over. And it was pretty formulaic. You know, most teams would wait until the 35th over and then they'd take their power play from overs 36 through to, to 40. And then you had 41 through 50 had another different sort of power play. So, you know, we've tried all of these permutations of power plays and fielding restrictions before. I'm not a fan, really, of having fielding restrictions floating like this. I understand the kind of ideology behind giving teams the opportunity to do something different with it. But if it's just going to be a formulaic, we're going to use it in the last two overs and save it up for the end, then I don't think it's a particularly exciting innovation unless you unless you give the opportunity for the bowling team to have nine players on the boundary if they wanted to have two overs with everyone on the fence. I'm still waiting for a team to come out and actually just say, right, I'm just, we're just going to have all six overs back as they were and have the uh, the power plays as six overs. Adelaide Strikers finally get the win. The substitutes today haven't necessarily worked. Short was the uh, the man out there, the final man out for Adelaide Strikers for a duck. So he was the man introduced by them. Didn't add to their tally. But Jake Weatherold finishes 68 not out. Let's name our blue crocodile .co.uk, cricketer of the match then. And it sounds to me as if it's between Peter Siddle, Adelaide Strikers bowler, who took five wickets, and Jake Weatherold, the Adelaide Strikers batsman, who was 68 not out. There are 48 balls, four fours and four sixes from Jake Weatherold today. Quick answer, Abai. Weatherold or Siddle? For me, it's Siddle, because Siddle started the proceedings very well. So he knocked the first punch to Hobart. So it's Siddle for me. Were you convinced, Michael? Are you going settle that now? I am, if only to if only to refute the Shane Warne commentary that bowlers aren't doing their job and executing well enough. I think I need to give it to a bowler this time around. So uh, Peter Siddle for his five for sixteen and gets my vote. Shane Warne, stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Peter Siddle is the Blue Crocodile cricketer of the match today for his fantastic five for sixteen and not for his blonde hair. In changing times like these, make a change yourself. Buy your own home. Still living with parents or renting? Why not buy your first property? Mortgage rates are lower than ever. Speak to Blue Crocodile. Blue Crocodile? Yeah, Blue Crocodile. They'll get you the right first time buy a deal by searching the market for the most competitive option for you. They don't bite. They're just straight-talking people like me. Give them a bell or go online. Blue Crocodile. Adelaide Strikers getting their first win of Big Bash 10. They look to me, Michael, as being candidates certainly to go all the way this time around. They look fairly well balanced and uh, with Carey coming back into their side, they look dangerous. Yeah, a lot rests on that top order for Adelaide. They've got Matt Renshaw, who's come across from the Brisbane Heat, uh, who has been a reasonable performer for them, missed out today. Phil Salt and Jake Weatherall look like a reasonable opening pair and Alex Carey and that bowling attack look like they're uh, probably one of the top four sides you'd think at this point. Hobart Hurricanes, that's their first defeat of uh, Big Bash 10. They've started off very nicely in this competition. It's a a long old tournament. They've got 14 group games, so one defeat doesn't make too much difference to them, but they'll want to get back to winning ways pretty quickly. Absolutely. They would want that and uh, they'd also want some more meat in their bowling attack. 
so ho- they'll be hoping for sandeep lamichane and uh, and the west indian all-rounder kimo paul to join them soon i'm not sure when they're joining maybe it's january and i think david malan is also waiting to come in uh, the hobart hurricanes hopefully they can get few more wins before these guys come in come in and then win few more. I think David's currently sat in a hotel room waiting to uh, finish his isolation before he can join the uh, the rest of the squad and start playing. And um, one final question to you both and I'll see if you can get the answer to this one right. I heard this on the radio earlier. Launceston, which is where this game's being played, and um, was the birthplace to three players that were man of the match in World Cup finals. Can you name those three chaps? Can we lock in Ricky Terence Ponting as one of my answers? Yeah, he's a tick. Any advance on Ricky? Listeners are I thinking think David well. Boone might oh, be from Launceston. He brought that out of the back of his head there. Yeah, Ricky Ponting and David Boone. So we're looking at one more, and I'll give you a clue. It was the 2015 World Cup final. I have no idea, so I let the person who's answered too correct take the third one. <laughs> 2015 World Cup final. I'm just trying to think back. Mitchell Stark. He was playing today. Was impressive, he but was, I'm not sure that he's from Launceston. He was playing in the game today. In the game today? Yeah. Oh, and was World Cup final man of the match. You've got five, four, three, two, one. James Faulkner. I'm sure a few listeners were shouting at their uh, podcast oh, contraptions. So, uh, yeah, yeah, the three World Cup, one of the match winners from Launceston in Tasmania. James Faulkner, Ricky Ponting and David Boone. Abai and Michael, been a pleasure as always. Thank you very much for joining me. Pleasure talking to both of you. My pleasure, James. And uh, thank you, everybody out there for listening as well. I hope you're enjoying the uh, the Big Bash dailies and the uh, the Big Bash itself as well. It's starting to warm up, isn't it? We're starting to get some good games. And uh, congratulations to the Adelaide Strikers who have beaten the Hobart Hurricanes today to notch their first victory of Big Bash 10. Thanks to bluecrocodile.co.uk for their support of the podcast. Give them a visit bluecrocodile.co.uk Follow them on Twitter at bluecrocmoney. I'll be back tomorrow because it is the Big Bash Daily and as the name suggests we're doing every day throughout the Big Bash. I've been James the Cricket Badger and I'll see you tomorrow. Big Bash 10. Thanks for listening. We'll bring you another edition of the Cricket Badger Big Bash Daily Podcast in association with bluecrocodile.co.uk tomorrow. See you then. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.